Thanks for listening to the Gateway Live podcast, a collection of recent sermons, teaching, and inspirational content brought to you by Gateway Church of Upstate New York. Visit our website at gatewaylive.org for more information. Now, here's today's message. Praise God. All, all glory to God. Anything good that comes out of me is, is Him and not me, because if it was coming out of me, it, it wouldn't be any good. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I want to give a quick testimony about youth camp as well. Um, mine's a little different, uh, maybe not so positive. Uh, all, all the kids were trying to guess my age at one point. And uh, as the week progressed, I just got older, and I was, I was pushing 100 by the end of the week. Uh, but no, when they were genuinely guessing, all of them thought I was you know, between 10 and 20 years older than I am. So I'm, I still have a grudge against you guys. I'm working on it. I'm working on repentance and, you know, dropping that grudge. But yeah, they all thought I was like in my late 40s and, or mid 50s. And uh, it took them like 15 minutes to find out that I was 36. So yeah, that's what the ministry does to you. God's good. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, I, I got a haircut before I came here because I was like, maybe that'll make me look younger and they'll all feel bad about making fun of me. I don't think any of them feel bad about it, though. Uh, but no, we, we had an amazing youth camp, uh, and I'm just, I'm blessed to be here. I uh, thank you guys for welcoming me. I know some of you, some of you I don't. Um, but I love this place. I love coming here. I love, uh, I love your pastor. Pastor Wade is awesome. Um, he has been a, a mentor for me from the time that I was in youth camp. Um, so just you guys, if, maybe if you're newer here and, and you don't know Pastor Wade that well, he's an awesome guy, and uh, you have a, there's an awesome church here and, and great people, and I'm just blessed to be here. And with that, uh, I would like for us to just uh, take a moment of prayer before we get into the Word. Amen? Father, we love you, God. I thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. I thank you, God, for the amazing week that we had at youth camp, Lord. I thank you for the lives changed, Lord, for the young people filled with your spirit, Lord, God, for the ones who were baptized, Lord, God, and had their name written in your, in your book of life. And so, Father, we just ask, God, that you would continue to move today, Lord. Let this just be an extension, Lord, God, of that same spirit, I pray, Father, for everyone in this place, Lord, God, that you open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us, Lord God, that we would receive your word with meekness, Father, that you would anoint these feeble lips of clay, Lord, to speak your word with boldness. God, none of me and all of you this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. So, amen. I'm just going to jump right into it here. Um, How many of you guys, and you don't have to quote it, but how many of you can think of a verse from the book of Jeremiah? If you can think of a verse from Jeremiah, you think it comes from Jeremiah, because sometimes I confuse the books, right? How many of you think? Let's see hands. Okay. Okay, I bet I know the first one that came to your mind, because it's, it's one that's quoted from Jeremiah a lot. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. And as soon as I quote it, everyone's going to be like, yeah, yeah, I know that one. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, and to give you an expected end. Right, we've all heard that in some version of the Bible or another, some, tra- some translation. Or maybe you thought of one that was a couple verses later. Maybe, maybe this one you didn't know is from Jeremiah, but you've heard it a lot. And uh, it's 29, 13. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Anyone heard that one before? All right, these, these are pretty popular ones in, in Jeremiah. Maybe you think about um, the verses that are in Jeremiah when it's talking about when Jeremiah was called. It says that he was called before you were in your mother's womb, I called you. Right? And, and we've, we've, all heard, we've all heard those 
verses. Um, these are usually things that come to mind when we hear Jeremiah. And they sound like some awesome verses, right? These are good ones to quote. These are like the positive ones. Everyone, everyone likes these. They lift people up and it's like, yeah, God's got good plans for me. That's, amen, that's, that's awesome. Do any of you know what Jeremiah's nickname was? Anyone? Yell it out. The weeping prophet. Wait, we just, these were cool. These were good verses in Jeremiah. How is he the weeping prophet? You know, he got that name for a reason, and it's certainly because he wasn't, you know, it's, it wasn't because he was a weak little snowflake that just cried at the drop of a hat. Okay, Jeremiah had a horrible life, really, when you look at it. It was really tough. Jeremiah's entire life was a struggle. His entire ministry was a struggle. And in my opinion, I think Jeremiah might be one of the toughest guys in the entirety of the Bible. When you really read about what he did, when you study the book of Jeremiah and the book of uh, Lamentations and, and some of the stuff he wrote, uh, the, the books of Kings. And so, you know, when you look at everything he endured, you understand that, man, Jeremiah was a tough guy. And maybe if he wasn't the toughest guy in the Bible, he's got to be in the running for the one with the most endurance of hardship. And I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about what Jeremiah's life was like. God gave Jeremiah words to speak that no one liked. <laughs> Seriously, please, please read. I encourage you to study the book of Jeremiah. It's awesome. And, and so God gave him these words, and he said, Jeremiah, go and tell my people, go and tell the leaders of Jerusalem X, Y, and Z. So Jeremiah would go, he would say it, and the people would hate him. <laughs> they, they literally, it's not like, it's not like nah, you know, I wasn't really a fan of Jeremiah's sermon on Sunday. It was just okay. They hated the sermon. They hated the word that he got from God. And they didn't just hate the word, they hated the man. They began to hate Jeremiah. Okay, and, and they hated him just for having the guts to say what God told him to say. And you know how long this went on for? Like over 40 years. I can't imagine preaching every Sunday for 40 years and having people come up to me afterwards and telling me how much they hated the message. Hey, Pastor Drew, that message you preached, it was the worst thing I've ever heard, and I hate it. You know what I mean? Like... Every, I can't even think about that. Like every Sunday, that happens about half of the Sundays, but the other half I seem to do okay. But I can't imagine 40 years of that. Hey, I hated your sermon. It was terrible. It's the worst thing I ever heard. And not only do I hate it, but I hate you for preaching it. That's got to be tough to do. That's really got to be tough to do. And you know what? They didn't just say, I hate your message. They said, Jeremiah, you're a false prophet. You're not speaking what God's telling you to speak. And when you read the book, you see how much that really wounded him because he knew what he had was from God. But they told him that he was a false prophet. And they said, you know why you're a false prophet? Because the other priests, the other prophets, they're not saying the same thing you are. They're all telling us good things. They're telling us things that we want to hear. But we don't, we don't like what you say. See, in my case, I, I might preach a message every Sunday that that LifePoint hates. But at least I got my family, right? They, I would, at least I could go home and, and they would mostly love me, 
right? It depends. My girls are getting into their, you know, my, my oldest is a teenager now, so I'm not at all. It's, it's questionable, but at least my wife might love me. thing with Jeremiah is even his family hated him. They said, Jeremiah, we hate what you say. And they hated it so much that they got together with the other people from the synagogues and the leaders of Jerusalem, and they called a meeting. They said, you know what, we've we got to do something about Jeremiah. Let's kill him. <laughs> Let's kill him. And so his family got together with other people, and they plotted to kill him. Jeremiah is looking not so good right now as far as like the way his life is going, right? They, they hated him so much. His family hated him so much. The leaders hated him. The kings hated him that he prophesied over. And the people hated him. And they actually wanted to kill him. And later on, as Babylon was starting to mess with Jerusalem a little bit, they said, Jeremiah, you're, you're working with Babylon because you want them to take us over. You hate us so much, you want Babylon to win in this battle. So they accused him of treason. They threw him in jail. They did, they did all kinds of stuff. And, and when you start looking at what Jeremiah said, you realize why these people hated Jeremiah so much. Because Jeremiah's entire ministry was preaching repentance. He told the people, you've strayed from God. You're worshiping idols. You're doing the wrong thing. And because of what you've done, God's going to judge you. God's going to take you out of Jerusalem. He's going to bring you into captivity. But there's space to repent. Who likes being told they're wrong? Anybody? You just, you love it. Oh, <laughs> my friend told me I was wrong today. It was great. I loved it. Well, that's all Jeremiah did. And the reason that's all Jeremiah did is because all the people were doing was wrong. They, they were completely backwards and had left God and they were believing false prophets and they had idols and they had all this terrible stuff. And Jeremiah comes along and he says, God's going to judge you guys. He's going to bring you into captivity. He always gave him an out. God always told him to let them know that if they turned from it, they wouldn't have to go to captivity. But they didn't want to turn from it. They didn't want to hear the hard word. They didn't want to hear that they had to change something in their life. They didn't want to hear that they were wrong. So they just said, let's just kill this guy and be done with it. He prophesied destruction and captivity all of his life. And the worst part of all this is that he was doing exactly what God told him to do. The entire purpose for his suffering, it was all caused by him obeying God. But that sounds weird to us, doesn't it? Right? We generally think that if I'm doing the right thing for God, life's going to be good. Life's going to be easy. Things are going to work out. Right? You guys ever heard that? Anyone ever said that at any time to you? <laughs> hey, man, just follow God. It'll, it'll work out. Well, it was working out, but man, God took a long time to work all of this out for Jeremiah. Jeremiah was doing good and he was suffering for it. He obeyed God and he paid an awful price. And just as a side note to this message, just remember that just because things are really hard in your life, it doesn't mean you're outside the will of God. You, you can be doing exactly what he tells you to do and be suffering for it. Okay? Anyway, back to the story here. 
The thing about Jeremiah's life, though, because this right now this is like one of those infomercials. But wait, there's more. Okay, <laughs> not only did his family want to kill him and the people want to kill him for what he said, but God said, Jeremiah, I don't want you to just speak my prophecies. I want you to to act out prophecies. And so I want to share with you one of my favorite things that he had to act out. Um, so he so God tells him, he says, Jeremiah. I want you to take fresh linen that has never been washed. Now, the process to making linen back then, it, it, was, it was a thick cloth, and it was extremely stiff with the stuff that they put in there to, to make it and dye it, and it was like, it was like, think of like the most starched shirt that you've ever seen, where the collar's like super stiff. Multiply that by like 10 in thickness and in stiffness. So he says, I want you to take some unwashed linens, and I want you to make underwear out of it. <laughs> you guys ever had bad pair of drawers? You know how painful this could be, okay? And he says, so I want you to take this unwashed linen. It's going to be stiff as a board, and it's going to be horrible. And I want you to put it on as your underwear, and I want you to walk 350 miles up to Babylon. Anyone ever experienced chafing? for more than 10 seconds? Okay, how about 350 miles? Think about this, though. Seriously. Underwear, 350 miles, stiff as a board. Horrendous. I, that alone would make me the weeping prophet, okay? <laughs> Forget all the other stuff, just the underwear deal, I would have been weeping, okay? God told Jeremiah to act this out because he was supposed to show the people the intimate nature of their relationship with God. The closeness that they had, the intimacy that, that is that garment, right? But how uncomfortable it was because they were stiff-necked and they were unwilling to bend from their sin. So, so God was like showing Jeremiah the severity of the sin of his people by this horrendous act. He said, man, why would God ask Jeremiah to do that? Jeremiah did nothing but like say all the right stuff from the time he was a kid, from the time that God called him. Jeremiah needed to know how hard it was so he could understand it, so he could speak it with conviction. But this was only one of many acts Jeremiah was told to do. He had 40 years of warnings and calls to repentance that were rejected. And he wept because he knew what would happen to the people. And through these prophecies, he knew what would happen to the temple. That it would be desecrated. That it would be destroyed. He knew that the city that he loved, Jerusalem, the city, a city that God had chosen would be destroyed, that the walls would be broken down, that the houses would be burned and broken apart to fortify the walls during the siege. He knew all the stuff that was coming because God was, was telling him. And so he weeps because he loves the people that hate him, that God called him to prophesy to. Jeremiah went from one trial and one period of tribulation to the next. We don't read about any breaks. 
He had one friend in the entire scripture that we can read about. It was this guy named Baruch who would write stuff down for him and tried to help him out once or twice. So he had, and that was only for like part of his ministry. He had one guy the whole time. And so then we come to the book of Lamentations after the book of Jeremiah is over. And Lamentations was written by Jeremiah. And it's basically five chapters that are each poems. And, and it is what it says it is. It's a lament. It's, it's this poem of, of how, how sorrowful he is. And it focuses on the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and, and the captivity of Judah. And he also talks about, you see like this glimpse into his heart and what he had suffered over all these years. And it's just him pouring out this brokenness. And to me, the, the third chapter really just kind of perfectly sums up the life of, of Jeremiah and, and kind of brings in, into focus what, what this message is all about. Um, so I want to I read a good portion of Lamentations chapter 3D. I'm going to start, I'm going to read verses 1 through 20. So if you've got your Bibles, turn there with me. And if not, you can, I'm sure they'll put it up on the screen. But Lamentations 3, <clears throat> verse 1, says this, I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turns his hand against me all the day. Look at the stuff he's saying here. This is him talking about God. God's turned his hand against me. He's brought me into darkness. My flesh and my skin has he made old. He has broken my bones. He has builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He has hedged me about that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. Also when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. He has enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait and a lion in secret places. He has turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces and has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunken with wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel stones and has covered me with ashes. And you have removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul has them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Wow, Pastor Drew came all the way from Utica to cheer us up. <laughs> These verses are dark. And, and to me, it was just this incredible look into the flesh 
of Jeremiah, what, what he felt in his heart after decades of pain, being thrown in prison, being, you know, uh, attempts on his life, having people call him a false prophet. They threw him in a pit one time of mud and were going to let him die there. The one promise God made Jeremiah in all of this from the very beginning was they won't take your life from you. But I feel like if I was in Jeremiah's place, there's some times where I would have just preferred that. That would have been the easy way out because, man, his life was rough. Look at the darkness of what he says. These are the thoughts and the pains of a man who has seen horrible things. He watched during the siege of Jerusalem as parents divided up their children so they could eat. I mean, horrible, horrible things. Okay? You know, just because you're serving God, it doesn't mean that you can't have deep sorrows or pains. Sometimes we feel pressure for every, you know, from all angles to we just got to feel good, right? Well, I'm a Christian, I got to feel good. I can't have sorrow or pain. I just, everything's got to be right all the time. That's how we're supposed to be. You can be serving God and be in a rough spot and feel like you're closed in. Amen? Is that, that okay? You got to give your permission, yourself permission to be like that. Because sometimes we just, we bust, you know, we, we kind of glaze right over stuff and we pretend that it doesn't hurt because we don't think that we're supposed to be hurting as Christians or something. Bible doesn't say that, does it? Bible says that he'll heal us in our sorrows and he'll be with us through those things. So anyway, you can serve Jesus well and be dealing with stuff. Just remember that. But what I want to do is obviously not stop there. I want to continue reading this chapter, this poem by Jeremiah, because in the next verses, we see this like radical departure from the language and the narrative of the first part of the chapter. So the first part of the chapter, he's hopeless. It's darkness. He, he, it's like God is his enemy, and, and he's lost everything, and, and people hate him, and he's just, he's lamenting. He's, you know, weeping over his situation, which was terrible. But when I want to read verses 21 through 26 and then 32 and 33. And look how quickly things change in this poem. So we just got done reading all that stuff. And then verse 21 says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Wait, what? All this stuff that I just talked about, the horrible stuff that I've suffered... I recall in my mind and I have hope because it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. My life was horrible. Everyone hated me. They wanted to kill me. I had to wear terrible underwear. My city fell. The temple was destroyed. God has forsaken me. I feel so far from him, but I know that it's because of his mercies that I'm still here that we aren't fully consumed, that there's a remnant of his people left. He preserved them through captivity. And so all of a sudden he says, I have hope because God's compassions fail not. How do we see God's compassions in any of the stuff that he just talked about? Jeremiah did. He saw the compassion in all of it because he understood that God was doing what he was doing to Jerusalem and to Judah because he loved them and it was the only way to bring them back to him. Otherwise, they all would have been completely lost. 
So let's, I want to read 22 again. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Man, these are some other verses that we've heard before, right? Hey, the mer- God's mercies are new each morning, brother. Don't, don't worry about it. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Verse 32, but though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. Everything changes in this portion Everything we see written in the book of Jeremiah, everything we see in the previous chapters of Lamentations, in this chapter, everything switches. And Jeremiah, he stops focusing on what he feels, and he has total clarity about who God is. And, And the title of my message today is Clarity in Tribulation. And to me, this this is Jeremiah's gift. This is, this is both the gift that God gave to Jeremiah and, and what we can learn from everything that was written by him. That we can have clarity in the middle of trouble. And it doesn't matter what's going on, we can see things clearly. And we can know that God is still good in the midst of even complete destruction. He isn't consumed by his circumstance he still retains his proper perspective. In my flesh, this is how I feel, but it reminds me that God is good. It reminds me that his mercies don't fail. Even in all my pain, even in all my sorrow, even in all this difficulty, in the midst of people trying to kill me and throwing me in jail and watching these horrible things unfold, I know it's because God loves me and he's preserving his people and it's only by his mercy that I wasn't consumed myself. But that's a hard perspective to hold on to, isn't it? Amen? Can we say that? There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that's a lot easier said than done. And it's, and it's fun, you know, it, it's good to say it to people. They come to you with a problem and you say, you know, you quote the scripture to them because you know it's what you're supposed to do. But sometimes I just, people come to me and I just want to tell them, man, I don't, I don't even know what to say to you. That's really hard. I know it doesn't change God's goodness, but man, things get tough. Amen? And we need to be able to just be real about that stuff. Things, things can be really hard. Life can really throw you curveballs sometimes. Life can really just be a mess. But it doesn't change God's goodness. It doesn't change the fact that he has a plan for you and plans to prosper you. It doesn't, it doesn't negate the other things that we read in the Bible, does it? Both those things can be true at the same time. And, and to me, when I was reading this, it, I, it just... It did something in me. It did, and, and it made me look at these scriptures in a way that I, I don't think I had seen previously. Because I read the book of Jeremiah and, and I took over a month studying it. And then I went right into Lamentations and, and it just brought this in a such clear focus. And, and to me, it makes these verses that we've quoted so many times feel so much stronger. So much more amazing that 
Because context brings life to stuff, doesn't it? And it really it helps you to understand it better. So you look at how terrible Jeremiah's life was, and then you look at him being the guy saying this stuff. Right? And same thing in the New Testament with Paul. Paul suffered immensely. And yet he was the one that wrote some of the most encouraging, beautiful things about the mercies of God. He, look at what he says. After he suffered all these things, because here's the thing, Lamentations was written after the fall of Jerusalem. This was written during captivity. So decades of hell on earth for, for Jeremiah, the worst happens, his prophecies come true, they come to pass, it's horrendous, and now looking back on all this pain, this is what he says. To me, it's amazing. He talks about hope. He talks about compassions that don't fail. He talks about new mercies each morning. He talks about how the Lord is his portion, about how it's good to wait on and seek the Lord. How could he say all of this? How could he have these feelings when he was hurting, when he had so much pain for decades? And yet he still held on to the truth of God. He had clarity in the midst of a tribulation. Though there was trouble all around him, he still had a clear picture of God. He was able to look through the mess and see the Lord through it all. He was tired. He was in pain emotionally and spiritually and physically throughout these long years. He was shut down by people at every turn. He was hated by nearly everyone. And yet he writes some of the most beautiful verses in all of the word about the goodness and the mercy of God and how he is filled by hope. Church, we need to be able to learn from this. We need to seek this same clarity in the middle of our trouble. Your temporary problems don't change the eternal nature of God. And it, it doesn't actually matter how long your, your troubles last because when you really look at Jeremiah... He suffered all this stuff, and then they went into captivity. Anyone know how long they were in captivity in Babylon for? Seventy years. Do you think Jeremiah made it to the other side of that to see them delivered? No. He was taken to Egypt. He was forcibly taken to Egypt after. I mean, he just, even after this, it wasn't even good for him. And he died not seeing the promise. But his problems were still temporary. They lasted his entire life, but they were temporary. See, a lot of times we're looking for the light at the end of the tunnel in the flesh, aren't we? God, when is my suffering going to be over? When, how old am I going to be when, when this is done? Where's the light at the end of this tunnel, God? I've been, I've been on this road a long time, God. I'm really looking forward to getting out of this. And sometimes the answer is, well, when you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But we don't like to hear that, do we? I mean, we'd like to hear that. But we, we don't like to hear that, yeah, you're, this is going to be with you the rest of your life. Jeremiah never saw the promise, but he understood that it was a temporary problem. He knew that the captivity would be 70 years long because God told him. And he still remained faithful. He knew that he would never physically see the end of it. And, and so our temporary problems don't change the eternal nature or plan of God. Our sufferings don't negate the immeasurable goodness of the one true living God. No matter what things we suffer from here, 
whether it's until he returns or brings us home, God is still perfect. He still has a plan in place. It's still good. He still loves people. And you can be suffering and be full of the love of God at the same time. Amen? And and like I mentioned earlier, God caused Judah to go into captivity because he said it's the only way that they will turn back to him. And he didn't want to lose all of his people. And so he had to make them go through this tough situation so that some would turn. It's kind of like when you got to discipline a kid. Never liked spanking my kids, but I knew if I didn't, you know, I knew the issues I'd have. It wasn't pleasant for me, but it was what they needed. Well, we're the children of God, aren't we? Sometimes we need a, a tougher correction than others. Sometimes he can say, hey, Ned, you're out of line. Well, no, you, you mostly need to get spanked pretty much every time, don't you, Ned? <laughs> I love my brother, Ned. But sometimes we need a little bit extra. Amen? That's how I learned growing up. I, uh, you know, what was it uh, DC Talk had that song, The Hard Way? I always got to learn the hard way. That was me, okay? And, and that was Israel at this point. It wasn't pleasant. He said God doesn't do it willingly. It's not like he just wants to do it. But sometimes he has to do what he's got to do. So God was looking, as he always does, long-term, not short-term. Don't be angry with God because of your pain or because of the things that you suffer. And I know most people have probably dealt with that at some point in your life. You've been angry. You lost someone close to you. Why did God take them? They served God. They loved God. They were good to me. And they died at this age where all these evil jerks live to be, you know, as old as Pastor Drew. Right, guys? They live to be 100. Why, why, why did this happen, God? Why, did my, why was my childhood so hard, God? Why was I abused when I was a kid? Why did I have to suffer that stuff? And you get angry at God. Well, it's not like God ever did that to you. Right? Don't think God is your enemy. Don't think that God has forgotten you because you've been in your trial so long. Sometimes it can feel like that. Man, I've I've been on this road for a long time. God must have forgotten me. He forgot me here, and I'm just, I'm here fighting this on my own. Praise God in the storm and try to see how he's working it for your good. Because we have that promise that God works all things together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Doesn't mean he does all things to us. Time and chance happen to all of us. Bad things happen to good people. We live in a messed up, sin-cursed world where people are jerks and they do things. But God can somehow take that and in time work it to bless you. I know I've told the story before, but my wife and I lost our first child to a miscarriage. I was devastated. I was angry. I had wanted to be a dad from the time I was a kid. And I was like, God, you got to be kidding me. Like, I've been doing all the right stuff. You know? And then, you know, you, you know the stuff that goes through your head. 
these people have all these kids and they treat them like garbage. I would treat them like gold and, and, and mine's taken from me. And so you, you go through all these things and it's like, it really didn't even take that long for God to show us how he worked that for our good and for the blessing of other people. Because it wasn't long till we met someone else that it happened to. And we got to testify about how God brought us through it. And we got to minister to them. And then we had our first daughter. And, and my, my wife, my daughter was only like, I think like two months old and there was a women's conference. And my wife brought her there and there was a girl there who had just had a miscarriage like the week before. And she was just broken hearted. And she asked to hold my little girl. And they just stared at each other for like an hour and a half. You know, little two months olds don't focus that long. But God was able to bring healing. Got, God was able to take this thing that, that I hated that caused me great pain and bless my wife and I and bless other people with it. That's the goodness of God. You, you can have dark things happen. You can have bad things happen. God is awesome. He figures out how to make it a blessing for somebody somewhere. And you just got to trust in him and lean not on your own understanding. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Mostly like there's a wise guy that wrote that. Church, I believe that we all need to practice this stuff in our lives. I say practice it because it takes practice. It's hard. It, this takes work, okay? We all need to know how to do this. We need to be prepared to take on suffering and trials the way Jeremiah did. We can be in pain and feeling loss while simultaneously rejoicing in his goodness. Amen? You know, this is what Philippians 4 talks about. Everyone loves to say, I can do all things through Christ, right? He gives me strength. I can do all things. They're usually talking about something that's like really difficult for them to do. You know what the context of that verse is? Paul said, I can be broke or I can be rich. Things can be horrible or things can be good. I've learned how to do all things through Christ. He goes, I, I, I know how to both be hungry and be satisfied at the same time. I can be broke monetarily and rich spiritually at the same time. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So you guys can be broken hearted and yet full of joy in Jesus Christ at the same time. You can both be suffering great pain and feel this amazing feeling and being filled with the Holy Ghost and bless other people at the same time. You can both suffer loss and have gain at the same time. Those two things, they're not mutually exclusive. They are to the world. They are to the people out there that don't know Jesus Christ. But to a blood-bought believer, we can do all things. You can be broken and be whole at the same time. You can be suffering and abounding in the exact same moment. What an absolute blessing. But it takes, it takes practice. It takes seeking God. It takes taking a step back and looking at the whole big picture. It takes clarity in tribulation to do this. And I believe we need this for two reasons. Number one, everyone is going to suffer loss and brokenheartedness in their life. If it hasn't happened to you yet, give it a little time. It will. Absolutely. Some more than others, it's going to happen. We live in a world that is cursed by sin, 
that is run by evil people, bad stuff's going to happen. And we need to be able to have clarity when that trouble comes. I don't want to lose my grip on the goodness of God when stuff like this happens. This, this reminds me of the parable of the sower where the seed falls on the ground and it sprouts up quickly but it didn't have any depth of root. And as soon as the sun comes up, as soon as hardship comes, it withers and dies. I don't want to be that Christian. I don't want to wither and die because I come up some, against some hard stuff. I, I want to bear fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold. I, I want to be able to stand in that day of trial and tribulation. We want to fulfill the word when it says that the one that endures to the end shall be saved. I want to endure. And so I need to practice clarity. I need to practice seeing what he looks like even in the middle of hardship. And the second reason is this. On a global level, there is tremendous suffering and persecution of Christians. And if you're curious about some of it, there's, there's an organization called Open Doors. Check them out. I don't agree with everything they say, but you'll really get a, a, a picture of what life looks like for Christians around the world, not, not part of the Western world. Okay? There is horrendous persecution of believers. And... The problem is, is we're so insulated in America, we think it could never happen here. It's coming here. It's coming here. We are seeing the beginnings of it. There's a change of attitude. There's a change in the schools and what they're taught. There's a change in policies in Washington and on a state level. And the foundations are being laid to single out groups that are deemed to be dangerous so that they can contain them. Okay? Don't, don't put your head in the sand. Open your eyes and see what's going on. Okay? And you know what? Nobody knows with 100% surety when Jesus will return. But man, I look at the scriptures and there's an awful lot of times in the New Testament where they say, endure. Endure. Endure to the end. Endure to the end. The ones that endure to the end shall be saved. So there's a lot about endurance and not a whole lot about escaping. So everyone used to kind of think, you know, pre-trib and all that stuff. I don't see any word about escaping. I see God telling us to endure. Okay, and this is not a message about that. But what I'm trying to say is I believe we're going to see a lot. And we're going to have to endure a lot. And I believe things are going to get difficult. And, and we might be in similar positions that Jeremiah found himself in. And I pray that, that if that comes to me that I'd be able to hold on and hold fast and have that same clarity in the midst of my troubles. And you know what, man, when you read Jeremiah, you read about the stuff that Babylon did and how they operated. There's a lot of parallels between what Babylon was doing then and what America is doing now. So anyway, take that for, for whatever that's worth, okay? But we need to be able to see through emotions. We need to be able to see through pain and loss and suffering and still focus on the goodness of God. Have a clear picture of who God is and not let those things cloud or color our vision. We need to be able to look past those things and clearly see the cross. 
clearly see the blood of Jesus and understand that those things are immutable. They are unchangeable. They, they are <laughs> always enduring. Heaven and earth will pass away, but, but the blood ain't. Okay, that's, that's always there. We, we need to be able to pull back and see the bigger picture, not just the stuff that's right here, not just the stuff that's messing with you right in front of your face, but pull back and, and see the bigger picture. We need prayer to be first nature for us, not last resort. Amen? How many of us have lived our life in that zone? You do everything you can do, and when nothing else works, well, I guess I'll pray about it. What? Like, it should have been your first choice. I've gone through things, and I got through the end, and I start praying. I'm like, wait, why wasn't I doing this? Like, how, how did it take me this long? And that's why we need to practice this stuff. We need to be aware of it. We need, we need to do it. We need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. You guys can hear this stuff, and if you don't do it, then it doesn't do you any good. You see, that message was trash. That guy is like Jeremiah. It was garbage. I didn't like it. Well, maybe try doing it and see if maybe it's a little better. It might still be trash, but whatever. Um, who's going to do altar call? We have musicians that will come up. Sure. You don't have to, Ned. It's fine. <laughs> we need the word to be written on the fleshly tables of our hearts. We don't need the word collecting dust on our shelf. The Bible shouldn't be something that you have to read to know what it says. You know what that means? I was worded a little weird. Should be in here. You you should know enough of it to keep you going. Okay? Shouldn't be something that you just read once in a while. It should be written on your heart. You should know it deep down. We need fellowship to bind us together and strengthen us as a church, as the bride of Christ. And when I say church, I'm not talking about gateway. I'm not talking about life point. I'm not talking about spirit and truth. I'm talking about the body of Christ because there's one bride. Amen. Jesus is coming back for one bride. Amen? He's coming back for one church. Amen. So you guys are my brothers and sisters, and I'm, I'm not the pastor at this assembly, you know, but, but that doesn't matter because we're all in this together. Amen. Amen? We've got the same mission, the same message for the world. So we need to fellowship. We need to know the mercies and goodness. We need to know the sacrifice of Jesus. And we need to hold on to that for dear life. We need to know that circumstances change, but he doesn't. I, I don't know all of you guys, but like I said when I started, I know that if, if you're new to this place or you're new to church in general, maybe you're just starting your relationship with Jesus, this is a great place with people who will love you and teach you the word and help you on your journey with Jesus. The only thing I don't like about this place is that it's too far from Life Point. And it's like almost two hour drive to get here. And I just, I wish we could do more stuff together. Okay? But there, there's a lot of awesome people here. And you need to not forget that. You need to look past little differences and stupid little things and really fellowship and bind together 
and, and be strong together because that's what's going to help us get through. Jeremiah didn't really have anybody, but thank God you do. Take a look around. You got people with you. You got people that are for you, that will help you, okay? And if you're here and you're looking for a relationship with Jesus, if you've tried religion and found it to be lacking and you're looking for something more, it all begins with faith. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches a message about Jesus. He preached about the cross. He preached about how the Savior was broken for our sin. He preached about the love of God and how Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of prophecies about the Messiah, the chosen one who would come to deliver his people. And it all started with faith. The people believed and they said, what do we do? And in Acts 2.38, Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible says after that, that with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. God, if there's ever been a generation that's untoward, we're living in it. Okay? And then it says, they that gladly received his word were baptized. And there were added unto them about 3,000 souls that day. So if you've never been baptized you can be baptized. If you never received the Holy Spirit, you can receive the Holy Spirit. If you've never really had faith in God, you're like, well, yeah, there's a God out there. I'm telling you, it's Jesus Christ. And if you put your faith in him, you will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. Let's all stand. Maybe for those of you who have had a relationship with Jesus, you're baptized, you're filled with the Holy Ghost and all that stuff. Well, guess what? That stuff doesn't like make you immune to trouble in your life. It doesn't mean that you don't suffer with stuff. And so I just want to open the altars today, give you, give us all a time to pray, to pull a Jeremiah and look past your stuff and focus on a perfect loving God who, <laughs> he can't forget you. Some, God's, God's forgotten me. I feel so far he's forgotten me. How could a God forget you that is graving you on his palms and in his side and in his feet? You are a constant reminder to him. He cannot forget you. So let's pray. Father, your goodness and your mercy, God, we could never overstate it. Father, we could sing of your love forever and it still wouldn't be enough, God. God, we could take every waking moment of our lives and speak about your goodness, Lord, and it wouldn't even come close to doing you justice. Father, we could take every second we have and thank you, and it wouldn't be enough to thank you for the cross, to thank you for your blood that you shed. Lord, I pray, God, for every heart in here, Lord, that's suffering right now. Lord, for everyone who's dealing with troubles at home, with difficulty, Lord, with their kids, with their parents, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, friends, spouses, co-workers. God, you made us complex and you made us able 
Father, to, to feel deeply. And Lord, I just, I pray for those that are hurting today, God. Father, that they would have clarity in the middle of their pain. Lord, that they wouldn't be blinded by their circumstance, but Father, that they would see the cross, Lord, that they would see your blood covering all things. Lord, that they would have, Father, perfect focus on who you are. Lord, and, and as they suffer, as they deal with these things, God, that you would gently remind them, Lord, that you are always there. Lord, that you will never leave them or forsake them. Father, I pray, God, that we always remember that no matter what we deal with, we serve a great living God who not only hasn't forgotten us, but knows every hair on our head. Lord, and I pray a blessing over every soul in this place today. Lord, a blessing of clarity, God, that they would see you for who you really are. Lord, that they would be able to, in their pain, Father, not, not forsake you, God, not forget you, but appreciate you even more, God. To love you, God, with a greater love. Lord, that in, and through our pain and through our suffering, God, that we would gain a, a, a perspective and an appreciation for who you are in ways that we never could without that pain. Father, I love you and I thank you today, God, and I pray... Lord, that as we open these altars, Lord, as people bend their knee to pray, Lord, that you would meet them right where they are, Lord, and Father, comfort them and help them to feel your love, Lord, like only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. These altars are open. Please find a place to pray. Don't leave the way you came in. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new messages are released. And remember to visit gatewaylive.org for more information.